It takes a real people person to help maintain order in the 11 Champaign County courtrooms where hundreds of folks from all walks of life are seeking justice day in and day out. I'm Mary Shank, and this week on Legally Speaking, recently retired court security officer John Carlton of Tolono shares what skills he used to keep the peace. And we'll hear a little of what he learned in 25-plus years of watching justice being dispensed. We'll be back after this. Hey, Jim Rosso, News Gazette Media Vice President, reminding you that we have a ton of podcasts available at newsgazette.com every day of the week. From Dave Gentry's Morning Show to Scott Beatty's News Hour to Brian Barnhart's Penny for Your Thoughts. Head to our website, newsgazette.com, and search for podcasts. My guest today is John Carlton of Tolono, who recently retired from the Champaign County Sheriff's Office, where he had been employed since 1992, is that right? As a yes, ma'am. Courthouse security officer. First of all, I just want to say my sincere congratulations and let me say how much I'll miss you. I we've that. Uh, been together professionally a long time. I like to say we've kind of grown up together. <laughs> I definitely grew up at the at the sheriff's office in the courthouse. Yeah, and for me, my my courthouse buddies are uh, every bit my like third family. You know, I have my my own family, my News Gazette family, and my courthouse family. I've been there so many Absolutely. years. I, uh, when I was at my reception for my retirement, I was I was I had a little speaking part there, and and uh, I looked out across the people that I was talking to and realized, you know, these people. People have been my family for most of my adult life. Um, I started with the sheriff's office when I was young, um, and I've I've pretty much grown up with you and them. And I have a I have a courthouse family, a sheriff's office family. Um, it, it's really odd for me not to be around them every day anymore. It's I know it's hard to walk away. So tell me a little bit about what were your duties. You were the sergeant over the courthouse security officers. So talk about in general what I, is expected. My day to day duties were uh, were fairly mundane. I mean, I, I assigned officers, um, you know, supervised courtrooms and, and the cases that were going on in the courtrooms, took care of uh, any any type of extra security needs monitored the equipment at the front door, made sure those things were working properly. Uh, um, basic day-to-day -day supervision was, was most of my job. Okay, so talk a little bit about the responsibilities of a courtroom security officer. Well, the, ma the main responsibility that they have is, is maintaining the, the order of the courtroom, um, maintaining the safety, most importantly, of, of the, the judge, the participants, uh, the attorneys, anybody else who may be in the building. Or in the courtroom um, is their is their main function, um, but they also serve functions outside of that. Um, really, they do a lot of things, um, kind of under the radar, to keep the courtroom moving along, keep things moving efficiently. Um, they do a lot of things that are out, you know, are outside of their uh, general security duties, because courtrooms running efficiently and moving along lends itself to better security, people not being as uptight about um, the length of time that they're in there or they're waiting for the case to be called or whatever. So anything that, that adds to the efficiency of the courtroom is, uh, is a help to security. Yes, th just this week I was in a courtroom waiting for a case to be called for trial, and as often the case, the, the defendant was going back and forth, should I plead, should I not plead? And he's looking at the court security officer. You know, he just wanted input from anybody. And that, Chris is like, man, I, I can't give you legal advice, but 
you know, look at your options here. It was obvious to all of us that he should take the deal he was being offered. But that happens a lot. Um, sure. it, it doesn't. It happens with uh, uh, defendants. It happens with uh, people involved in in other sorts of cases. Um, I think a lot of people, if they've spent any time in the court system, recognize that um, the court security officers are. Uh, there's probably nobody in the courtroom that spent more time in court than they have and heard more things, seen more things involved in the court system um, than they have. Unfortunately, uh, we can't get involved in, in their ultimate decision. We're not lawyers. Um, we, we, we are there for a reason, and it's, that's to maintain security of the courtroom. But it's definitely not uncommon for um, defendants or others to to look to us for advice or look to sure uh, in, in the in the instance of, of people who are in custody many times we, uh, the the correctional officers they look to the correctional officers for you know hey man should i you think i should plead to this you think this is a good deal and you just can't get into that that's that's just not going to work out very well right i i find myself watching cases it's like i have no skin in this game and i'll be so stressed because sometimes i'll think oh this person's you know, I'll find myself rooting for a verdict to go one way or the other. You, that's just human nature. You can't help it. Yeah, to an extent. Um, when you do it as much as as uh, as we do, um, you get, or I got to the point where um, I realized that uh, the system was what it was. It may not be perfect. It may not. Uh, it's the best system that anybody's ever come up with, but it may not be perfect. And and ultimately, those decisions are going to be made by sometimes a jury of people who don't know anything about uh, about the court system and more specifically in you and I's situation don't know the defendant and and many times sure. we know those people from prior uh, experience and the the jury doesn't have the benefit of that knowledge Which so is does good. that mean does, does that necessarily mean <laughs> that just because they did something bad before they did this no but it obviously is, uh, is, you know, that's the fairest way to come to a verdict, even if you and I look at it and go, oh, man, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that was probably the right <laughs> verdict. But you don't have any skin in the game. So sure. So you don't really, uh, I, don't, I don't really, I wasn't bothered by it one way or another. I respected the system. I believe in the system. And um, so whatever verdict came from that is, is what came from it. Back up and tell me a little bit about how you decided to get into this particular niche of law enforcement work. Well, I didn't really decide as much as it, it decided. Um, uh, Sheriff Madigan, um, I, I, had, I had recently graduated from college. I, I did my internship at, the, uh, at Champaign County in 1991 and uh, graduated from college at Illinois State. Um, I took a job with Carl... Uh, hospital as a security officer worked there for a few months and I and I got a call from uh, Sheriff Madigan um, and he he indicated that there was a job available in the court security division and I didn't really know too much about it because that's not really something that's a, as a really highly publicized part mm -hmm. of law enforcement um, I went in I did an interview and and as I like to say and as I said at my retirement um, judge judge Einhorn and uh, and Sheriff Madigan took a huge dice roll on somebody who had very little or no experience, um, came from the farm, decided he wanted to be in law enforcement, <laughs> went to Illinois State for four years, came back, and and um, they took a they took a roll of the dice on me, and and uh, I found that uh, my my ultimate 
uh, goal at that particular time was uh, that I wanted to be, like most people that get into law enforcement, I wanted to be in the patrol division. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be out in the squad car with the blinking lights and all that good stuff. (laughs) Um, I got doing what I was doing, and I realized that uh, I I loved what I did. I I loved the people. Um, I took a great deal of pride in what I did. Um, I believed in, in what we did there and the things that we did. And, um, and so I decided to stick with it. And then, uh, in, uh, 2000, um, I got promoted and became the Sergeant of Corps security. I was the first one ever promoted in the Corps security division. And, um, uh, from that point on that, that's what I decided I wanted to do for a career. Now, am I correct in remembering, and my memory is fuzzy because I've been there a while, that you were like the first professional court security officer as they were phasing out the courtroom bailiffs? Not, not the first. Okay. Um, the, I, there, was, uh, the, I, I, there was two people, uh, two officers that worked there when I got hired, and I believe that I took the place of an officer that left. I th- um, now it's coming I back I did not to me. know the, uh, the person that left. Uh, so there was three of us when I started, and as time went along, they they started to phase out um, the bailiff system, and they replaced those people with court security officers. So mm-hmm. it went from three to to twelve. Well, the bailiffs and for people who don't know what that was, were mostly retired. Older gentlemen who were either in business or maybe had some ties to law enforcement. Uh, yeah, they they kind of ran the gamut. Uh, mm-hmm. Military. Some of them had prior military experience. Some of them were uh, business people. Um, you know, they they kind of ran the ran the gamut of. Tell me what kind of training you had in '92, and if you know, how does it differ today? Well, it was a little, it was a little less formal in 1992. <laughs> um, wasn't got, everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I got out of, out of college. I, I graduated from Illinois State. Um, mm-hmm. And when I got hired by the sheriff, uh, he sent me to PTI in, in Peoria. I was in, I, I, I was in Peoria at PTI for five weeks. It was the corrections. Uh, there's two different types of police training. There's a patrol police training and there's corrections police training. Um, I went to the Corrections Police Training Institute in Peoria. I did five weeks there. Then I came back, and from that point on, it was kind of uh, trial by fire. I mean, it was uh, it was just, hey, you went to PTI, here you go, carry on. And uh, so we now, um, since that time, uh, there's a, a number of officers have been involved in uh, uh, creating a more formalized field training program for for court security that. Training programs I found over time are always a work in progress, um, and that's the same as it is with uh, uh, with court security training. So now they go through an eight-week uh, field training process where um, officers teach them basically the ins and outs of doing court, how to deal with evidence, arrest procedures, report writing procedures, all of the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. Well, clearly, it's different in traffic court than it is in divorce court, than it is in the felony court, than it is in the civil Absolutely. trials. Absolutely. There's, there's things that, that cross over. Um, there's things that don't. Uh, traffic court is, is, uh, is a high volume. Primarily, you're doing crowd control type of courtroom. And there's, there's, uh, that's one of the ones that uh, is routinely that way. 
Um, I love traffic court. It's such the a slice of Americana. It is very much <laughs> and uh, just a, a cross section of everything. I mean, you know, everybody finds themselves from one, at one time or another uh, in a situation where they they end up. Uh, in, in the company of a law enforcement officer for a traffic violation of some sort. And, and uh, sometimes those lead to uh, what we call a must appear, which means that they have to show up. Um, those are very large uh, volume days for people who come in and, and deal with their traffic tickets. Sometimes it's what they call a may appear, which we can, can be taken care of, uh, you know, by paying a fine or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, April the 8th 1997 changed life for a whole lot of us at the courthouse mm -hmm. that was the day um, John Ewing came through the front door in the days when we could enter the courthouse through any of four doors at least. Um, tell me where you were that day and and what role you played in that courthouse firebombing well I was working in a, a uh, what was the old county board meeting room that they had turned into a a courtroom in what at that time was called the annex, the courthouse annex. It was in the basement of the courthouse annex. Um, uh, it, it was a memorable day. I, I remember um, we were doing child support court, um, and uh, Keith Willis, who now now mm -hmm. is the director at the juvenile detention center, at that time was an intensive probation officer, came to the door of the courtroom and stuck his head in, kind of motioned me out, and and said, "There's there's been a bomb threat." <laughs> well, that's not something that uh, it happens. Okay, it's not right. it's not normal. It's not an everyday occurrence, but it's definitely not something that that uh, is right. a huge deal. I asked him just very blankly, you know, are we are we evacuating the building? And he said, yeah. So I went up. Judge Einhorn was still doing child support court. I went up and and told her quietly, there's been a bomb threat. Um, we're evacuating the building and she then told the people in the courtroom there's been a situation we need to evacuate the building and gave them some instructions on how to get out of the building once I got all them out um, I started to clear the rest of that building and uh, I could hear on the radio um, I could hear people clearing the other part of the courthouse um, which is now where all of the state's attorney's office and all those things are at. It mm -hmm. was the courthouse at that time. And there was, a, there was a long glass hallway that went from the annex to the main courthouse. Um, we used to call it the gerbil tube um, <laughs> yes. because it looked very much like, like a, gerbil a gerbil tube. tube. <laughs> it did. And, and so we called it the gerbil tube. So I ran up that hallway towards the, uh, towards the main part of the courthouse, and I got right to the door of it and I could smell the smoke. Oh. Well, it, it hadn't been long before that that the uh, that the Murrah Federal Building blew up, you know, oh, and all yes. those kinds of things. And so me being, you know, young and, and that kind of thing, the only thing that I could think of, and I remember this like it was yesterday, was, you know, oh my, I'm gonna open this door and the whole side of the building's gonna be gone. You know, it was one of those deals where you smell the smoke and you know, you know immediately sure. this was not a bomb threat. Something went wrong. It's bad. Yeah. So I ran through that door, and uh, the best thing I can say is it was pandemonium. I mean, there was yes. uh, people running, people running out of the building. Uh, the fire department at that point was coming into the building. 
Um, and I remember Sheriff Madigan, uh, he stopped me and he said, uh, go out to the, to the south door of the courthouse, stay there, and don't allow anybody else into the building. Okay. And so that's where I was. That's where I was stationed for uh, the better part of uh, the day. And, um, you know, I, I was out there, um, of course, when the, uh, when the fed- federal people showed up, the FBI, the, the ATF, all those people. I was out there when the, uh, when the satellite trucks from Indianapolis and, you know, Chicago and that, and, the, you know, those helicopters circling the building. It was, it was kind of a surreal scene. It, it was huge for us. It was, it, and, it, and it, was, uh, it became uh, national news. I mean, so in one of the few times we, you know, we were, at that time anyway, were nationally national news. Sure. For those who don't know, I mean, what happened was John Ewing, um, a mentally ill man, threw a Molotov cocktail at uh, Judge Miller as he was on the bench during a jury trial. Turns out, it was later learned, Ewing had 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 his own slip and fall civil case that got dismissed by the judge. And for some reason, he fixated on Judge Miller, and on this particular day, he opened the door of the courtroom, he set fire to a homemade Molotov cocktail, hurled it at the bench, and, you know, it was, as you say, it was chaos. Yeah. I wasn't in the building at the time. I was down the street, but um, also came running, and people were filing out on the street, running as fast as they could. I got there just in time to see... Judge Miller being stuffed into an ambulance because his head was cut. Um, it was a, it was a, uh, you know, it's, it's been a long time ago, obviously. Oh. And, uh, you know, so your memory of that. Yeah, that 21 kind of years. <laughs> I, I mean, I have specific memories of it. I, my, one of the ones that I've told people uh, a lot of times in the past, one of my specific memories of it, I, I remember the first time that I saw her in the courtroom um, after, after the fire was out and all that kind of stuff, because we were there late into the night. And uh, uh, the, the, that scene was, uh, you know, left an impression. It burned oh. everything. It, the, the, uh, the whole courtroom was made out of wood. Right. All right, at that time. That ugly, and, dark veneer paneling. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was just a tinderbox, and it burned everything to the ground. Right. Um, and I can remember that I think it was on the 10 o'clock news that they had told people, if you were in the courtroom and you had left property there, that you could come to the courthouse and pick it up. And what the fire department had done, and in, in in really what was a really smart thing, is there was a jury in the courtroom at the time, and all of those people had run out and left their personal property in the courtroom. Somehow the fire department got a hold of a jury seating chart, and they were able to pick up people's property and place it into, into paper bags and um, give them back as much as was left. And I remember that I was standing at the door, and a lady knocked on the door. And I walked out there, and I said, can I help you, ma'am? Yeah, I, I heard that I could come and pick up my property. I said, okay, you know, that's fine. What's your name? And I had all these bags r- lined up. And, and she gave me her name, and I, hand, I went and got the bag, and I handed it to her. And she opened it up, and she just started crying. Aww. And I said... I said, ma'am, you okay? And she said, yeah. And I said, is, is, is this not your property or is this, you know? And she said, no, I think it's my property. And all that was in the bag was two leather purse straps. 
Oh. That was it. That was all that was left of her property. Oh. Um, it had burned it all up. And I think that was pretty much the, you know, standard. I, I didn't look in any of the bags. It wasn't any of my business. But, sure. uh, you know, to, to see her open that up and just pull these two burn-up straps out is right. kind of indicative of what that day was like. But I, I can't remember if it was the next day or the day after. We then immediately... Uh, uh, access to the courthouse was limited to one door, and we started an x-ray machine. Uh, um, talk about literally shutting the barn door after the <laughs> the animals hey. have escaped. But uh, therein started a whole new era of courthouse security, right? Absolutely. Um, initially, it was just a metal detector. Um, the x-ray machine, obviously, it, it took a little bit more time to get that there. Uh, so it started out. I think it was... Uh, uh, two days later, because the the building was full of smoke, and it took us a little while to get that cleared up. Um, and we really didn't. I don't think we did much court. We did some things that we absolutely had to do, and we kind of kept them to the first floor, uh, yes. right down by the front door. Mm-hmm. And and we did that for a little while, a day or two. And when we opened back up, then we opened up with the uh, one entrance and. And the metal detector, and and everybody came through the metal detector. And we added X-ray machine, and uh, that's pretty much what we've done right. since that time. Well, let's move on. You I mean, and I have um, seen what I call the see me side of life. There aren't very many people who come to the courthouse for adoptions and weddings, which are about the only two happy things <laughs> that the happen there. Um, you kind of addressed this when you talked about don't have any skin in the game but did you do you find yourself getting a little depressed at the end of a day when you're in a a case that's uh, challenging no or? i mean i learned early on um that you have to have a skill i mean and you didn't have this advantage but i did um where if things were going on in the courtroom that i didn't want to hear i just didn't <laughs> listen um you know i could that's true i could uh <laughs> tune out i could tune out of it um you know, it's there's a whole lot of ugly that that takes place in that building, and and you don't need to. Um, of course, you, human beings, you have compassion and you have uh, you have feelings about that, but you can't you can't let that um, you can't let that get inside your head. If you do, you're gonna have a really hard time. And and uh, you know, I've had officers in the in the past who I've had to kind of talk through some of that because they, you know, you. Um, you just I think it's shocking the ugliness that that people can perpetrate on each other, especially it seems to affect people most uh when when the when the ugliness takes place on uh, on kids and absolutely and and I think that's that's very much understandable um and that's one of those times when you have to kind of uh, uh sometimes you find yourself having to tune yourself out of that and and uh along those lines talk about some of the qualities needed to be a court security officer. You mentioned compassionate. I mean, my favorite court security officers are the ones who at least do their job with a smile efficiently. You know, some are a little harsher than others. Uh, um, well, you have uh, some, you have several who have come from military backgrounds, I, I believe. Some have come from military backgrounds. Some have, uh, uh, have come from corrections back backgrounds. Right. Um, more corrections in recent years. Um, but it, it's a people business, um, very much more a people business than a lot of uh, a lot of law enforcement, because you know hundreds of people a day come into that courthouse for 
uh, a variety of different reasons. Um, everything from coming in to get their passport to coming in to watch a murder sentencing or whatever. I mean, right. it's it, it, just hundreds of people come in. It's a people business. So being able to talk to people, um, communicate effectively, communicate respectfully, um, and understanding the, the situation and when it's, when it's time to be a little harsher and when it's time to step back a little bit and let people vent off some of that whatever's going on and, and deal with it that way. Because I found in my career that um, talking to people is, is probably one of the most important skills that I had. And um, I learned that early on. And, and uh, with the crowds that you're dealing with at times, an inability to communicate with people is, is going to create a problem. Yeah. So, you know, talking to people is, is very, very important. Well, it, I think you're, you have been very good at this. You realize that people are there on their worst days, not their best days. Um, I, along those lines, I wanted you to talk about some of your uh, worst days. I, I remember one early in your career. I wasn't in the courtroom. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> when uh, you took a, a hit to the eyes with some pepper spray. <laughs> Tell the listeners about that. Uh, it was early in my career. and uh, At the time, we did, uh, we did arraignment court, which is, is people's first appearance in court when they've been charged with a criminal offense. Um, we did arraignment court in a, in a small courtroom in the, what, in the basement of the old sheriff's office downtown. And and um, we we put all of the people in in a, in one holding cell. All the you know we didn't obviously mix up males and females, but we put all of the males usually mm-hmm. in one holding cell. And and um, that crowd um, ranged from not very many people to a whole lot of people. And um, it was hot and it was nasty in the holding cell and things like that. And and the judge had called two guys out. Um, who had been caught selling drugs together. They were brothers. And uh, so they were out there, and the judge was arraigning them, and the facts of the case were the same. They were both charged with, with the sale of drugs. And, and um, during, the, during the setting of bond, uh, the state's attorney gives, a, gives us a short summary of basically what happened. You right. Know? And then the judge makes a decision based on that and, you know, prior failures to appear and all of those kinds of things. Um, what the bond's going to be. Well, one of the brothers had cooperated with the police and had rolled over on the other brother <laughs> and basically said it was all his stuff. I didn't have anything to do with it. Ouch. Yeah. So the state's attorney at the time got up and, and was giving their, uh, their summary and, and, and said that. While these two guys are standing out there together. <laughs> so the judge sets one of their guys' bonds at recognizance, which means that he signs a paper and he's getting out of jail. He sets the other person's bond at, I can't remember, it was like $10,000 or something like that, which would mean they have to post a 1000 right? Well, that didn't go over very well with the, between the brothers. So we put them back into the holding cell. And we call the next case. And we can hear muffled voices in there and then you hear the distinct sound of somebody getting punched so we all go in here we go into the holding cell we drag these two guys back out the one guy um uh, says you know he punched me obviously he had and uh so the judge begins to sentence this guy for contempt of court 
the guy that did the punching. Right. And he is pleading. And at one point, he drops down on his knees. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> and she says, I sentence you to, I think it was 90 days, direct criminal contempt of court. Uh-huh. The guy pops up and starts to try to run. Oh. And so the correctional officers, me and two other correctional officers in there, uh, we grab him. And the fight's on, of course. <laughs> and in the course of the fight, uh, I had, I was behind him and had a hold of his arms. And the, one of the other officers decided, sprayed him with pepper spray. That was our one of our things that we had at that at that particular time. And he hit the guy in the with the pepper spray. And then the guy ducked, and I was behind him. <laughs> and so I got hit in the face with it. And um, you know, it was one of those things where. Uh, you have a very small window there before uh, that's going to take you out of the fight. <laughs> oh. And so I managed to get myself back to uh, the door of the courtroom and to the outside of the courtroom before the pepper spray really took over and I couldn't see, I couldn't do anything. Um, the tussle, you know, the fight was still on in, inside the courtroom and uh, they got him out of there and and eventually a maintenance guy, who's now a correctional officer, but... Uh, one of the maintenance people for the county found me on the outside of the courtroom, and they took me into the sally port of the uh, the jail and gave me a hose, and oh. <laughs> we started uh, the process of trying to decontaminate my face. I just remember that your face was red for about three days. Yeah, and, it was uh, a lot of pepper spray. Uh, I think that's when you got the nickname Bull because your face did look very much like the logo for the Chicago Bulls for yeah, days. I, you know, I, I, I'm sure that that, uh, that moved it along. I, they, they started the Bull thing with me. Uh, I don't know uh, how many people that are listening to this that will remember the show Night Court. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. I and, do. Uh, they had a they had a they had a the courts of bailiff bailiff court security guy on there named Bull Shannon. Yeah. And uh, they started out calling me Bull uh, because of my you know my work in the court system. Sure. And and, uh, and then you know that I don't think it hurt anything to keep that going when uh, when you get pepper sprayed and look like I apparently looked. Well, um, mercifully, those physical tussles. Are, are uncommon, not, maybe not uncommon. You didn't get that every day to, in your job. Yeah, to that level. But um, um, you also sustained a pretty bad shoulder in, injury, did I you did. not, on the job? To, I did. It, it, it wasn't in a. It wasn't in a violent incident. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I had my share of those over the years, and, and like you said, it wasn't a common occurrence, but it was part of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, in in what I jokingly refer to as one of the lamest law enforcement stories ever. <laughs> Um, I tore up my uh, shoulder when uh, uh, I got called in to help an individual who had fallen out of a wheelchair um, in the men's restroom. And uh, he was a large man, and he apparently had forgotten to set the brakes on his wheelchair, and it rolled out from underneath him. And he, when I when I got called in there, uh, he was sitting on the floor in the first floor men's restroom of the courthouse which is just an incredibly unsanitary place to be sitting <laughs> and I, I felt real bad for him and so myself and another officer um you know as i tell people when they ask me why did you try to lift him i say well humans only got so many handles and you know we each grabbed an arm and uh-huh. we tried to pick him up and got him about halfway up and my shoulder exploded and oh. we did get him into the wheelchair and we didn't drop him uh the other officer sustained a knee injury. Um, 
uh, there was three of us in there. We each got no, one of us got it on each side, and one of us was operating the wheelchair. And uh, so it was uh, wasn't my best day. Right. Well, like you say, it's uh, that's not the most dramatic, but it is it is typical of what you have to do. There are a lot of medical incidents at Absolutely. the courthouse. Are you an EMT, or do you have? Any advanced medical I, training besides some first aid, perhaps? I was an EMT for several years. Okay. Um, I'm not licensed anymore. Okay. But medical situations are are a part of uh, dealing with dealing with the public at, at that level. Um, when you're dealing with hundreds and sometimes thousands, you know, 2,000, right. 2,500 people a day, um, things are going to happen. And uh, so, yes, I, I was an EMT for eight years. Um, and... Uh, I, I don't currently hold my EMT license, but uh, those skills don't just go away. Um, right. Myself and we do have one officer, Officer Feeney, who's a who's still a licensed EMT, and uh, he and I um, dealt with most of the medical calls at the right. at the courthouse, and they range everywhere from you know people falling down to mm-hmm. much much worse things okay well you're way too young to just go sit home and watch uh, espn all day tell me what's next on your agenda well as i told people i i have to have to decide what i want to do when i grow up uh, <laughs> i uh i i have a part of my job over the years has been to to speak in public I've done a great deal of public speaking in my life. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of that has involved uh, groups from different uh, schools, um, from uh, you know, uh, incoming jurors, mm-hmm. uh, dignitaries from other countries. All of those things I've, and I, uh, oddly enough, I enjoy public speaking. Um, and as I was thinking through, obviously the, the shoulder injury changed my. Uh, changed my direction. Uh, I, I won't be able to do uh, manual labor. And as I told people, uh, uh, you know, I, that's not where I saw myself. I've done a couple of things in my life. I've worked on the farm and worked for the sheriff, and both of those are manual, you know, require that. So I had to kind of change my focus a little bit. And uh, so I, as I was thinking about it, a lot of people uh, who have heard me speak and things like that have said, you know, you should teach. So I would really, I think that I would really enjoy and I would really like uh, teaching at the college level. I'd like to try to teach criminal justice. I think I have something to say. Um, I've had an incredibly unique law enforcement career. <laughs> um, I've, lived on the, uh, I've lived on the inside of the justice system for my whole career, for 26 plus years. Um, I've seen it, I've seen the human side of it that a lot of people don't ever get to see. I understand the court system. Um, I've spent more time in court than I don't, I don't even know. Many lawyers. Most lawyers, yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, a different, it's a different kind of criminal justice view. It's a different mm-hmm. law mm-hmm. enforcement view. I see, you know, I watch people testify. I understand evidence. I understand Right. That stuff. And, and so, yeah, that's what I'd really enjoy doing. Now, whether that's available to me or not, I don't know. Um, so that's yet to be seen. But um, I think that's something that I would enjoy. Well, and you'd be very good at it. I'm going to wrap this up, and thank you so much for being in here. I am going to really miss seeing you <laughs> day to day. I know we can do the Facebook thing, oh, but yeah. it's not just the same. But don't be a stranger. And 
John Carlton, thank you so much for being my guest on it's Legally Speaking. It's been my pleasure, speaking. Mary. Uh, we've had a, we've had a good run together, <laughs> um, you know, and and uh, and I will miss I will miss parts of it. Um, but as I told people when I left, I said, you know, I'm retired. I'm not dying, <laughs> so I'll, I'll still be around, and and uh, and uh, it'll it'll be a pleasure to see you in a in a different way. It'll be a pleasure to watch you have to go through the yeah. the electronic. <laughs> yeah, how, how's okay. that? Yeah. Thanks, John. All right, no problem. Thanks.